Welcome to Dietitians Uncorked, a podcast hosted by Kat and Kelly, two registered dietitians who co-founded Nutriving, a virtual nutrition practice. We talk all things food, nutrition, life, and of course, wine. This is a judgment-free zone where all foods fit and all bodies are welcome. Thanks for listening. Good morning, good afternoon, good night for everyone who's tuning in. This is Kat speaking, and we have a co-pilot here. Gosh, I don't know why I get so weird when I do these intros. Hey, (laughs) Kelly. (laughs) Um, Kelly is here, and we've got an episode all about blood pressure today. It is um, a little early, and so... Uh, we are drinking. What are you drinking, Kelly? Let's let's start there. I have three drinks. I have coffee. I have a smoothie, which is um, actually a smoothie recipe on our website. The Green Island smoothie is my favorite. Mm. Um, and then I have water, which I've been putting mint leaves in because I have a mint plant that's going crazy, and it I just it adds so much, you know, just like that fresh pop of flavor. So I've been doing that in water. So all the drinks on my end. What about you? I have just coffee. I should have water, but I have an empty water bottle here. Um, <laughs> and what's ironic is I, I was part of a um, webinar last night about the importance of hydration and hydration first thing in the morning. So um, I think I need a I need to go back and, and, and get some water. It, the message was really clear about hydration in the morning. I just, you know, it's been a busy morning. I haven't gotten around to it. But yes, um, I, I do have this new um, coffee roast. Uh, my brother is a coffee roaster, and he just did a batch of this um, coffee from Honduras that has kind of a citrusy taste. It's a, uh, it's delicious. I'm not a citrus and coffee kind of gal, but this this coffee is just, whew, so good. Interesting. I don't think I've had anything like that. I gravitate towards the French roast. I'm kind mm-hmm. of boring, just like basic French roast. But we get these coffee beans from. It's this online marketplace called Thrive Market, and they. It's very, not everything's affordable, I would say, but their coffee beans, if you buy them whole, they are super affordable, like way better prices than the grocery store. So we've been buying those for a while and they're just like opening the bag and getting that smell. Mm -hmm. It's the best. Mm -hmm. So good. Love it. So today's topic is about hypertension. We're kind of doing this series. We started, kicked it off um, last week with metabolic syndrome, um, talking about that. And so this week we wanted to touch on something that we see so freaking often, and it tends to be uh, kind of an early sign that something is not working super well in our body, but a lot of people sort of miss that early sign. I don't know many 30, 40 year olds who are just like trying to check their blood pressure as often. Usually that's the age bracket where 
people might miss their annual physical or, you know, if, if you have little ones, you're kind of preoccupied about their health. And so hypertension has been famously called the silent killer because it can be quite damaging for this to go on for a long time undetected. And it can go on a long time undetected because there aren't any massive, obvious symptoms. In fact, there are no symptoms for um, a, a range of high blood pressure. The only symptom you might have is when we cross over through the threshold of a very, very high blood pressure. And so um, if this is a chronic thing going on undetected, it can go on for, for years without people knowing. So uh, maybe maybe let's cover the basics of what hypertension is. You wanna you wanna give a stab to that part, Kels. Kels, no one's called me that in a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so hypertension is you know the fancy word, the medical term for high blood pressure. So they refer to the same thing. And when you go to the doctor, they take your blood pressure. You know if they use a stethoscope or sometimes they might have like a fancier machine, but they're measuring the pressure in our blood vessels essentially. And so most people are familiar with, you're going to get like a number on top. The doctor will tell you like 125 over 75 or, or whatever. So you have that systolic number, which is the upper number and then diastolic, which is the lower number. And so typically what's considered normal is if we're in the 120 to 80 or less range. And then there's kind of like categories, I would say. You know, we can be like slightly elevated, kind of the, the same thing with blood sugar, right? We have different ranges for what is normal, what is pre-diabetic, what is considered diabetes. Um, and so stage one hypertension is most often defined as having that upper number, the systolic between 130 and 139. Or, and, or having the bottom number 80 to 89. So really surpassing that like 120 over 80 guideline um, mm -hmm. is when we start to enter the high blood pressure stage. Um, and any good doctor will tell you this as well, but you never want to make a judgment call or like a di diagnosis off one single number. So like off one single blood pressure reading, uh, you definitely want to at least have two data points, if not more. But, you know, anytime you're going to the doctor, they typically take your blood pressure. And so if you're not aware of what your blood pressure is, so I've had experiences where they might take it and then they don't tell you what it is. Mm -hmm. And so I'll just be like, excuse me, <laughs> what was that number? Um, just for your awareness, because it's really important, in my opinion, to look at the trends over time and have multiple data points because you, you might have a random high reading. You know, many people get kind of anxious going to the doctor. And so it's not unlikely that you might have a higher reading because of that. Or if you just downed a bunch of delicious coffee, right? And you're like running into a doctor's appointment late. Like there are certainly things that can cause that number to be a little bit elevated. But what we're looking for is sustained elevation over time to actually have that diagnosis of hypertension or high blood pressure. Right, right. Um, there is a test that you can do, um, is very unpleasant. I have had it done because I've had um, a high blood pressure reading 
and uh, we couldn't tell, you know, what it what it was. But it's this thing where you wear a monitor of your blood pressure and you wear it for 24 hours, and it is wildly uncomfortable. So if um, you've had this, you know what I'm talking about, but it takes your blood pressure reading like every, I want to say like every few times every hour or something and at night like Mm -hmm. once every hour and so it's a it's a shitty night's sleep with these things on (laughs) um just just to put it bluntly but um yeah I, I I think too is if if you are a healthy individual and you're kind of you know going to the doctor you do they take your blood pressure it might be slightly elevated but doctor's not concerned or whatever you're having a different discussion over something that is going on uh asking the doctor for that number is important because even if it was slightly elevated at least that's one data point that you know like okay i went to the doctor Maybe there are other factors. Hydration does play a role here in um, mm. when when your readings. If you're really dehydrated, your blood pressure might be higher. Um, so also, as Kelly just mentioned, anxiety. Uh, there's something called a white coat syndrome, which is when you get when you see a doctor coming um, and you get freaked out. That's that. It's such a common experience that people. We, we have a name for it. And, um, and the uh, readings at a doctor's office are so wildly unreliable because of this phenomenon. Um, so that if you, have, if you have a concern, maybe get a uh, blood pressure cuff. Um, you can get them on Amazon. They're not that expensive. Um, but if that's a data of concern, it's good for you to know. You know, it's, it's one thing, it's, it's great that you, maybe if you have a doctor, if you have a cardiologist, if that's something that they're kind of monitoring, that's great. But, but oftentimes, you know, people go to the doctor for very specific acute things an infection in the ear, some, a, a, a terrible cold or flu, maybe a, a, an issue with a limb or something like that. Um, so, but this, this is sort of sneaky, so keeping an eye on it is um, important. Definitely. Um, and with this series, we wanted to share our perspective as uh, clinicians. Kat and I, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know this. If you're newer, um, welcome. Thank you for being here. But Kat and I are both registered dietitians, have been for collectively, I don't know, we've had it's been a while, we have <laughs> like over a decade of, of collective uh, yeah. registered dietitian experience. We've both worked in a variety of settings, including, you know, rehab, ICU centers, dialysis, outpatient counseling, now private practice. Um, so we've been exposed to a lot of different settings and hypertension has come up in essentially every place that I've worked, I would say. Um, yeah, Kat, do you want to go first maybe in sharing just any experiences that stick out in your mind when it comes to working with patients who have high blood pressure? Mm. Yeah, it, it is a topic that um, comes up comes up often in all the settings that you just mentioned. Um, so if, it feels really difficult to like, 
dissect just that one aspect, but I, what I probably, what I've taken away from high blood pressure is kind of back to that sneaky, um, presentation that we sometimes a person might not know that they have had high blood pressure for years. And by the time we realize that there's something going on is because there's a different organ that has been affected by this, um, or organ system, right? So either, um, they might have seen an issue with an increased glucose, fasting glucose. We're checking that. And then we happen to check also on blood pressure and it turns out blood pressure is very elevated or more commonly, I think in my experience has been kidney issues, like a kidney disease, chronic kidney disease, um, being diagnosed in, you know, early fifties. And it turns out that probably they might've had a blood pressure issue, maybe late thirties or mid thirties or something like that. It is common to see that. And it's scary too, because, um, I think if we, if, if that individual had known earlier that this was an issue, they might've been more proactive. The other thing that sticks out to me too, is I've had clients come to me specifically for this. Um, like I have, I have been diagnosed with high blood pressure. I do not want to go on medication. I want to treat this, you know, I want to be able to, to treat this on my own. And, um, my perspective on this is there, there are a lot of things that we can do nutrition and lifestyle wise. That's, that is not, um, a factor that is sort of like a passive one. I, I would say there's probably a lot that we can do. There's even a diet that has been made for this. And, and we can talk about that, um, a little later if we want to, but, um, there's also other factors and, uh, the 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 part where genetics play a role um, is one that we cannot modify. And so, although I've had experiences with clients where nutrition, nutrition and lifestyle intervention are enough to keep us away from medication, I have also had it where it's not enough, and we might need um, some medication maybe at a lower dose, um, which is fantastic. It's it's not a bad thing. But I just want to say like making sure that we're doing everything that we can from a lifestyle and dietary perspective is wonderful. It may also include some, some medication, um, intervention or a therapeutic, uh, aspect. And that is okay. I, I feel that we have kind of demonized taking medication as like, we're just, it's a bad thing. I would say that it is way better for us to have all of the tools available to us rather than having an underlying, um, high blood pressure that may down the line cause some higher issues. So that's kind of been my main experience with hypertension in my clients. That makes sense. And I, I would agree a hundred percent with, with everything you, I mean, we've worked in a lot of similar settings together, obviously. So I have similar shared experiences. Um, and I will always think, think about like when we were in inpatient setting and just seeing patients who are admitted to the hospital and the amount of times that you're writing like patient has past medical history of hypertension, you know, diabetes, 
history of a heart attack in whatever year, like so often hypertension is grouped with other disease states. Mm -hmm. And as you said, it's, you know, the quote unquote silent killer. Right. And so to me, hypertension really sticks out along with kind of sneakily like elevating blood sugar, hypertension and blood sugar kind of stick out to me as like some of those earliest, earliest Mm -hmm. signs that Mm -hmm. something is not going well. And it really points to what Kat and I are so passionate about, which is preventative care. And the whole reason that Kat and I started our business, New Triving, was because we've seen patients who are so ill, just like very sick, need you know, so much intervention because they've had a heart attack or, you know, a a variety of things have happened and that's why they're in the hospital. But there's so much that can happen before that where there's a lot of touch points where we could, you know, make lifestyle changes, make changes to diet, exercise, stress reduction. And those can be so powerful, especially in the early stages, maybe before someone is to a point where they definitely need medication. But the reality is that, you know, sometimes people don't have access to healthcare or like, I think you mentioned at the beginning of this episode, maybe you just like didn't go to your annual, you know, doctor's visit when people are in their thirties and, you know, they might be feeling well enough, right? You're maybe you have a family, maybe your career is taking off, maybe all of those things. You're just super, super busy and sometimes going to the doctor, kind of doing those just regular care visits can fall off people's radar because they're like, I feel totally fine, right? Which is not to say that everyone is going to develop hypertension, but it is extremely common. And it Very. is anytime I've seen a patient who's had a heart attack or a stroke, like almost always, right? We see hypertension in the medical history. And so to me, that just, that really points to the importance of that preventative care side, because again, there's, there's so much we can do in the beginning stages to help kind of, if someone's developing hypertension, you know, we could reverse that, right? Bring their blood pressure back to normal, or if they're developing hypertension, we can slow the progression Mm -hmm. or make it so that sure, maybe they're on medication, but they're on a lower dose because it's also paired with, you know, nutrition and and lifestyle changes. And so there's, there's so much opportunity, right? It's just that that preventative care doesn't get quite as much attention, right? If you're having severe chest pain, you're going to seek medical attention. (laughs) But if you like maybe have had one high blood pressure reading or two, and you're just swept up in everything else that that's going on in life, like you might not necessarily do something, right? Right, right. Yeah. I yeah, our experiences are very similar. I I actually remember one time I was uh, seeing a patient in the hospital, and I come in and I'm like, we're we're discussing diet, and um, this is inpatient, so you know the patient's in it in a hospital bed. They're not having the greatest time. Usually education for nutrition is sort of like if the person <laughs> actually absolutely needs it, you know, you do give it, but otherwise, you know, they're, they're, they're in the hospital for a reason, right? No one's just there hanging out wanting to like 
chat it up with a dietitian. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I remember being like, hey, so, you know, these are the recommendations. You should really see somebody when, when you're feeling better and here's some resources. And um, and then I was like, and uh, maybe get a, a monitor, check your blood pressure, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, what's wrong with my blood pressure? We're like, well, it says here you have hypertension, you know, whatever. <laughs> and they're like, I don't have that. And we're like, what? And they're like, yeah, I don't have it. And I, I thought maybe the patient didn't know one of those cases, which I hate when that happens um, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it had turned out that the, it's so common for everyone to have hypertension that everyone just sort of assumed, like the doctor just by accident added hypertension as a diagnosis, <laughs> a past medical history, because because it's so oh, freaking common. Um, and this person was like, please make sure, I know, mm-hmm. please make sure that I, if I do have, you know, and then we tested it, they don't have my, you know, it was a whole thing, but that is, that is how common hypertension is. I am curious uh, to hear your experience, uh, not just with patients, but like with the dietary recommendation as it relates to hypertension, what your experience has been when you see people with hypertension and they're asking about um, dietary modifications. What's the what's 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 the trend overall for you with that? I would say the the trend or, or the situation that I've seen most often is that a patient finds out they have high blood pressure, you know, from their doctor. And then the doctor's like, you need to be on a low salt diet. Like really, you shouldn't be having salt. Like make sure there's no salt. (laughs) And then the patient, like if I'm seeing the patient, let's say as in the context of nutritional counseling, like we have an ongoing relationship. And so they come to me and they're like, yeah, so I was just diagnosed with high blood pressure. And the doctor said, no salt. Like I can't have any salt. And the, this situation is common, not only with high blood pressure, but so many other medical conditions that might have a nutrition component. So like someone gets diagnosed with diabetes or chronic kidney disease, right? There's nutrition care that is essential in those medical conditions. And a doctor, as smart and wonderful as they are as humans, they are not trained in nutrition. They also don't really have time typically to go into that in during medical visits. And so they might give handouts or they might give kind of like general quote unquote advice, like I just said, just no salt or low salt diet. But the trend, and there are exceptions, but on overall, doctors do not have time to go into that and really get in the nuance of that, let alone what that looks like for an individual client and like what their, what's their lifestyle, like what's going on with them? Like how are they even eating a high salt diet? Like we don't know, right? And so that can create, I think, confusion, a sense of alarm in the patient, and just like a feeling of overwhelm, like, oh my God, have I been eating? Like, did I cause this? Am I consuming so much salt and I had no idea? Like, it just really sets off a lot of alarm bells, I think, which is fair, right? Receiving any medical diagnosis can be it comes with a whole lot of emotions, confusion, shame can be part of that. But I think, I think that's for sure the trend. And then from there, you know, hopefully that person is working with a dietitian or has access to, you know, quality nutrition information. 
not on Google, right? Not on ChatGPT, like working with an actual professional who has experience and education. That is the best way to cut down that stage of confusion and just like a spiral of holy shit, like what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to eat? I think talking with someone who's trained in that area is by far the best way because salt's Salt is sneaky. Like it's it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to wrap your brain around. And do I have a lot of salt in my diet? Am I barely eating salt? Like most often, people are eating more than they think they are, more than yeah. they realize. And so a lot of that is working with the patient and taking a look at their current diet. What kind of foods might be in there that are higher in salt, maybe than we imagined. Um, I could say a lot more. <laughs> um, I think the other the other one I want to touch on is that salt is not the the only factor that, that we should be paying attention to when it comes to nutritionally managing high blood pressure. And I think that often it just gets thrown that like salt is the problem, which it could be contributing, but it also <clears throat> likely is not the only thing. And that gets lost in conversations with doctors very often, again, because of that time limitation. I also think it gets lost if people turn simply to Google to find their answers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Um, I, I would say it's similar. The, the one thing I, I, I will, I spend a lot of time talking about sodium in my day. <laughs> A lot, um, mainly because I, I see a lot of people with multiple chronic uh, diseases, and I, I do see people do specialize a little bit in my private practice, um, the chronic kidney disease in all the stages before dialysis. Um, and so if you have chronic kidney disease, you know you got to watch out for your sodium. And often there is a history of hypertension behind that. I also, we also in your driving see a lot of like preventative care for early signs of like cardiovascular disease or coronary heart disease. And so those, that, that is a, a topic. I think that, um, it, it's it's fine the doctors throw sodium like that, but I, I think it needs to be done in a context that it's understandable for people because, yeah, mm-hmm. I the, fir- the first thing I ask usually I'm like, how, you know, do you, how do you season your food or whatever? Most people feel like I'm just like, uh, I don't know. It, it, there's sort of like a this response of like, I don't add any salt. I don't put any salt to my stuff. I like at all. <laughs> um, I don't even own it. <laughs> I, I don't, it's not in my house, which is fine. But often the biggest culprit of sodium concentration is not even really the seasoning. It's more so the hidden sodium and proce- ultra processed foods. Um, and then eating out fast food or restaurant food just in general. I mean, those are, and those are things that people, unless you, un, unless you know that you have no control over it. So, um, the conversation needs to be a little bit of where's the, uh, awareness of where sodium is hidden, um, often is not super within like your people when they cook at home, they're not salting as much as like a professional chef might be. So uh, understanding those th- that aspect, and two, like you just said, there's a lot more that we could talk about um, just besides salt. So first is an education part, um, and and 
hopefully we do it in a less intimidating, less like be afraid of anything that might have <laughs> salt in it. Um, it but also that there's a whole diet that I mentioned before that is designated. It's called the DASH diet. It's dietary approach to stopping hypertension. If you or a loved one has hypertension or might be afraid that there might be, you know, some high blood pressure, they're sneaking, um, this is a great diet to look up. But if you look it up, you will see that it is not included within the regimen uh, to watch sodium. In fact, the most highly recommended, the biggest principle of this diet is to add fruits and vegetables, which are rich in potassium. Um, and we know most of us are not getting uh, enough potassium. There's a reason why this is. There's a reason about going back to lots of vegetables, lots of fruits, lots of whole grains, um, appropriate amounts of protein for your diet. It's not sexy. You know, it's not like groundbreaking um, really wonderful uh, kind of like a hack, you know, to get to a better blood pressure control. But but yeah, there's there's a bigger conversation to be had um, in here. And of course, it's not what people hear as often. But yeah, um, final thoughts on um, on how maybe to, to encourage people to find a different approach to this besides just being deathly afraid of, of salt. I think one of our main messages that hopefully, I mean, I know we talk with our patients like in a one-on-one setting. Um, We've talked about it in our group program as well. Mm -hmm. And hopefully it's come across in the podcast, but I think, and I hate saying this, but it's true. Like moderation is the key. And I think Mm -hmm. freaking out about any one, you know, day or one meal or even one week I've never seen that to be helpful. Like I know that that can be kind of a knee jerk response, but in my years practicing as a dietitian, I've never seen that like anxiety and fear be productive. And so I think Mm -hmm. not beating yourself up, knowing that, right, most of us eat hopefully three meals a day. Like there are Mm -hmm. a lot of chances to eat nutrient dense foods. And the more we can focus on adding the good stuff that maybe we're lacking that will naturally make less room for some of those less nutritionally dense choices and that is what's going to support your health long term both blood pressure as well as you know all the other organ systems and and areas of health so that would be my one of my take-home messages yeah yeah I love it I would probably say you know, if we're afraid of sodium, get, get the the real info, right? Um, eat lots of veggies, get some exercise, and those are the, those daily practice of self care um, really do go a long way. So there's a lot that we can take away from it. It's not groundbreaking. It's like you said, it's kind of like the quote, like moderation. We're like, what the, what the hell does that even mean? But <laughs> have it, having the, a little bit of balance, you know, if you've had a, a week of a lot of fast food eating, you know, counteract that awareness, self-awareness of what you're putting into your body. Um, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to have that check, check in and, and practice those things. Absolutely. 
So we hope that you have enjoyed this episode. This is our second episode in our mini-series going through different chronic diseases where Kat and I have experience working with patients and we are really just here to share our experience from, again, that registered dietitian perspective. So we hope you're enjoying this series. We'll be back in about two weeks with our next episode, diving into another chronic disease that, that we see a lot of and want to want to share our experience. So if there's any diseases you want us to cover or just any topics in general that you would love to hear us speak on on the podcast, feel free to reach out. You can find us on Instagram at Nutriving. Also go to our website. We're not big on social media, but you can go to our website as well, Nutriving.com. And we are so grateful that you've been here and we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.